Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and we have a special episode for you this week. My guest is Reverend Anthony Thompson, pastor of Holy Trinity Reformed Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina. On June 17th, 2015, Anthony's wife, Myra Thompson, was murdered along with eight others at Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston. Anthony and some family members of other victims made news when they quickly extended forgiveness to the killer. Anthony has shared his story in his new book, Called to Forgive. On this week's episode, Anthony shares about his wife, Myra, and what transpired after her murder when Anthony attended the bond hearing. We discuss what prepared Anthony to forgive so quickly and how that forgiveness impacted the city of Charleston. Anthony shares how the churches in Charleston have been coming together and championing reconciliation in the wake of this tragedy, including some practical ideas that other churches can implement in their cities. So now I invite you to please join me in my conversation with Reverend Anthony Thompson. Anthony, I'm so glad to have you with us. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. Well, I'm glad to be with you today and very excited about what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited as well. The topic that we are going to be discussing is a topic that you know quite well um, from personal experience. Uh, We're talking about forgiveness, and uh, you have Mm -hmm. recently released a book entitled Called to Forgive. And um, we're specifically going to be focusing on this idea of forgiving others um, when they have hurt you, uh, when they've hurt others so deeply. And so just to kind of set up our conversation, Anthony, nearly four years ago, your wife, Myra Thompson, was excited. She was headed to Wednesday night Bible study, and she had been invited to actually be teaching that night um, there at her church, Emmanuel AME in Charleston, South Carolina. And so during her time of teaching, uh, she was was preaching on Jesus' parable of the sower. And during that time, a a young white man enters the room and uh, he's warmly welcomed by those present. In fact, even the pastor pulls out a chair next to him, invites him to sit down. Someone gives this young man a Bible. And as Myra finishes the Bible study, everyone stands and begins praying the Lord's Prayer together at which time this young man pulls out a gun and begins shooting those present, uh, ultimately killing nine people, including your wife, Myra. And brother, I'm so sorry for your loss. I appreciate you being with us today to share how God has worked through this tragedy. Before we go any further and dive in any deeper on this, Anthony, can you just tell us a little bit about Myra? Yes. Well, Myra was a... She had many gifts. She was a counselor. She was a teacher. She was a, a minister. But the greatest gift God gave her was one of giving. Mm. Myra would give anything for the sake of anybody. Um, when people talk about giving their last, well, sometimes it's not their last, but it would always be her last. I would know that because <laughs> when I look at my account, <laughs> it was going, it, it would be the last, you know. And she. She did that with everybody, particularly her students. She was very concerned about her students. Uh, every time she went to school, she went to school, become a teacher. She went and got her master's in reading. She went and got her master's in counseling. 
but that was because of the kind of students she was teaching, disadvantaged students, and she found it necessary to do those things to help them, not to get earned status or more money, but to help her students. So mm. she was definitely a giver. That's beautiful. Mm. That, that's beautiful. I love to hear that because uh, uh, we, we, we can sense that just uh, even in the book as you're writing about just your relationship with her. Um, we, we really sense that in Myra. Now, the killer is arrested really the next morning after the shooting. And within 48 hours of the shooting, the killer is appearing before a judge for, um, for his bond hearing. And initially, Anthony, you, you said that you were not planning on attending that uh, bond hearing. And yet you did. Can you share with us about your trip to the courthouse and really what, what transpired that day? Well, first of all, I did not want to go. I was home in my pajamas, and my, my son and my daughter, my son Kevin and my daughter Denise, were very interested in going. But I told them that I was not going. And so after a while, Denise just told me, well, Father, if you don't go, I won't go. And that just about broke my heart, so I went. Mm. And the reason why I didn't want to go was because, you know, I was an agent for 27 years. I took people to bond hearings, and you set a bond they go back to the cell. I didn't see that to be very significant or very important. However, on our way there, I explained to them very adamantly that I want them to be silent. Don't say a word when we get there because we're not going to be there very long. I'm going to sit here long enough to, to hear a few people, then I'm going. And that's exactly what I did. I sat down looking at my watch and, and Nadine, which is one of the, um, uh, uh, the, uh, one of the survivor's um, daughter, I mean, a victim's daughter, she was the first to say, Lord, have mercy on your soul. And I was thinking, well, after she gets through, I'm going to leave. However, God had other plans. Immediately I heard him say, get up. I have something to say. Mm. I've heard that voice before. Matter of fact, I heard that voice the night of the tragedy saying the same thing, get up for a different reason. So I knew it was him. And I got up and I'm on my way to the podium. I'm telling him, Lord, you better come on and say something because I don't have anything to say. However, when I got there, it was just like Dylan and I were the only two in the room, and the only thing I can remember is that saying to myself is, is that, you know what, he may have killed murdered my wife, but I'm just as much a sinner as he is. Mm. And Christ died for his sins, he died for my sins, he died for his too. And that's when they just came out and say, son, I forgive you. Mm. My family forgives you, you know, and that you need to repent, confess and repent. Because, and give your life to the one that means the most, that's Christ. Because he can change your ways, he can change your attitudes. You are in a lot of trouble right now. But if you do that, no matter what happens in your life, you're going to be all right. And I experience a peace like no other. I mean, and I have that peace right now today. That peace that passes all understanding is very, very real. I've preached it several times, and I wrote about forgiveness several times in my sermons, but never once did I experience that peace until then and just everything everything left my body the anger the hate the rage the loss i have for my wife I, he just took it all and, and i felt it leaving my body i was literally shaking and after that i experienced that peace that passes all understanding of christ jesus and believe me i have that peace right now today god is real god is awesome he's magnificent and he can do those things in your life like that if you just be obedient to what he says. And he said, forgive. Forgiveness is is the ultimate 
it's the ultimate act of love. Mm. You know, that you could give to anybody because you're going to experience God's love more than you ever had before and God's peace. And it's going to be an everlasting peace. Amen. Amen. That's good, Anthony. Um, let me ask you, like, in, in, that, in that moment, you say you just you were prompted by God. You went forward, and it just kind of came out of you. Yes. How, how, how do you feel that God had prepared you maybe for that moment? Because it, it sounds really challenging to be able to, to, to forgive someone, you know, mm-hmm. right in that moment, someone who's taken mm-hmm. the life, you know, murdered— um, your wife, right? How how do you see that God had kind of prepared you so that in that moment you were able yeah. to to be in a place of forgiveness? Yeah. Well, I experienced a lot of that from my parents. You know, my parents came up in a very uh, hmm, racially divided uh, time, and I saw some of the things they went through, and and I and I questioned some of the things how they responded in such the way they did, like. Like, you know, nobody never did anything wrong to them, but they always told me, you know, that you have to respect people, you have to forgive people, and that's something they just, into our whole family, however, I, I, I didn't think anything of it, mm-hmm. but I do know that particular, particular night, that tragedy, when I went running to the church to see what had happened, I realized that my wife was dead. You know, I just wallowed on the ground crying uncontrollably. For the first time in my life, I was out of control. And that's when the Lord said, get up. You know, he's three times because I thought somebody else was talking to me. When I realized it wasn't anybody else, I realized it was him. He said, get up. And he and he told me to, to think about the things that I preached to my church about, you know, if they love their children, the wife, uh, uh, whoever more than they love him, then what's going to happen when these people leave? You know, and then I remember... You know, you know, he's right. And then he gave me some scripture. I mean, he was preparing. He told me Sunday what he wanted me to preach it, but I had no intention of going. Nobody should Sunday. But that very Sunday I went, and he gave me some scripture, uh, Luke 17. And he told me to preach on that scripture. But I'm like, you know, if I had the, the time to tell you, I would tell you the, the whole story, but I'm going to cut it short. <laughs> and, and, and he said that, um, you know, that, you know, just... Woe to those who, you know, things in life are going to cause you to stumble. Mm-hmm. He, he said, but woe to those who cause you to stumble because, you know, it, it would be better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of those little ones to stumble. And so I'm looking at that. I'm, I'm listening to him. I mean, I'm reading this and I'm going, you know, Saturday night to prepare this for Saturday. I'm like, what is he talking about? But then he says, you know, if your brother or sister do you wrong seven times in a day and they come back seven times in a day and ask you to forgive them, then you must forgive them. And I'm like, I'm not prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And so he was, he was preparing me. He, he prepared me that night and I, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, where's this going? Right. Of course I did preach it to my church. Wow. You know? And, and so there was, you know, that, 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 that moment. That moment right there. That's you know? powerful. It's, it's amazing how God is at work behind the scenes, right? <laughs> God's always at work behind the scenes. Always. Uh, you know, doing doing what he does best. And um, and uh, um, it's amazing. Now, when, oh. that, when you forgave at that bond hearing and you shared that, that, that word of forgiveness, uh, in your book you, you wrote that you were watching 
uh, the young man like on the on the screen and basically the, he had been looking down not making eye contact at all um mm-hmm. but th- there was a point when you're speaking that he he looked up and you looked into his eyes what happened yes. there yeah it might have been for a few seconds because on my way there while I'm waiting trying to hear from the Lord about what to say he's telling me at the same time he says I want you to get his attention I want you to I want you to see his eyes and I'm saying to myself well, he's looking down. He's not even looking high. I'm not going to do that. But when I told him to confess, repent, and give his life to the one that means that most, and that's Christ. When I said Christ, he lifted his eyes, mm-hmm. maybe for a few seconds. And I was, I was in awe. I was like, oh, my gosh, he heard me. So then I realized that God wanted him, wanted me to see his eyes so that I would know that he heard me. And and it just and I, it just threw me, wow. it just threw me how yeah how he, how how that worked out yeah. But he did look at me, so I I know he heard me. Yep, mm-hmm. that's that's good. Now, um, whenever you um, forgave him, there there's some who came out and kind of criticized you even said, hey, you, you know, you forgave you know him too quickly, you know, or you know, I mean, mm-hmm. like you didn't have you know, and maybe it was just uh you know a gut response or you know you just tossed some words out. How did you respond to those who who kind of uh, dismiss the fact that you forgave him so early as it being a genuine, mm-hmm. you know, forgiveness? Well, I told them, and it came at me a lot, and I just explained to them that it was a godly thing to do. You know, God forgave us, and we should forgive others, and that's my heart at that time. You know, my heart wasn't anywhere else. My mind wasn't anywhere else except that. I saw him as I saw myself, even though I never murdered anybody. I'm a sinner. I have done some things wrong, and that's the way I saw it. And I said at that moment, you know, and I, I explained to them, when, when that came to my mind, those words just came out because I just couldn't see myself, you know, uh, uh, degrading him or, or, or putting him down. It would be like putting myself down mm. because I'm, I'm just like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things, Anthony, that, that oftentimes we wrestle with, and, and you touch on this in, in your book, is that sometimes uh-huh. it's incredibly hard to forgive someone when we really can't – we can't understand them we can't, or we can't understand why the incident happened. You know what I mean? And so uh-huh. we sometimes get caught up in our, our feelings. How, how, yeah. do you, how do you see um, this act of forgiveness as something that is – beyond our feelings and beyond being able to completely fully understand kind of the motive or the why behind why something yeah. might have happened. That's the world way of looking at it. You understand? Mm-hmm. That feelings have to be involved, that you have to really like feel like you feel like you can do it or, or, or feel something to move you to do it. But, you know, you, you have to look beyond feelings. If your feelings get involved, you're not going to forgive. You're going to hate you're gonna have a grudge. You're gonna have malice in your heart because you're ta- you're, you're talking about emotions, right? You understand? And, emo- and emotionally, you're not gonna be able to forgive because, in the world standards, by the world standards, they say that you need to feel it, but you're not gonna feel anything except hate and malice until you do it. And when you do it, you're gonna feel something. And the only thing you're gonna feel is the peace from God that I told you, because you cannot do it on your own. God's when you go to him and you ask him to forgive you and then you ask him to help you forgive whoever it is you cannot forgive, he will help you to do it 
and you'll receive his peace. I mean, there's no feelings involved. It's all him. Mm. You know, it's all God. You have nothing to do with it. I mean, absolutely nothing except to say the words and believe it in your heart. If you feel that way and say the words, you're going to receive that peace. Because God, God handles it all. You know, you can't possibly, you know, I could not have possibly done that. Now, remember, I didn't want to go to the bond hearing. You know, these things, God put these things in place for me to be there. Mm-hmm. You see, so if I, if I wasn't there, I would have never forgave that guy. I would have never had on my mind to forgive him because I wasn't thinking about him. So that was all God. And the same thing happens in anybody's life. You know, God, if you ask him, you understand, mm-hmm. to help you, if you're in a position, you can't forgive, you ask him to help you to forgive that person, he will do it. And once he puts it in your spirit to do it, you're going to do it. And once you do it, you're going to receive his peace. So if any feeling is going to be involved, you're going to have a feeling for the peace of God, but feelings have nothing to do with trying to forgive or forgiving, and then you if, you know, you, if, if, if you, you, you have this feeling about forgiveness. It just doesn't. Mm. It just doesn't. So it's it's more out of a, a response of obedience. It's um, a response of obedience. Right, that, that, you're, that you're coming yes, to you're, and extending that forgiveness. Yeah, because if you're asking God, then quite naturally, you know, you may want to, you may not want to, but if you ask him, you understand what I'm saying? He will make that happen for you. And then, yes, you will act on it. So it is an act of obedience. But the, the, but the act of obedience, most times the act of obedience comes without you. Know, you're just doing it. Mm-hmm. Doing it because you know God said to forgive. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and that, that's what I, what I did was an act of obedience. You know, but if you can't do it, you know, and God, and God made that happen for me. You understand what I'm saying? But I didn't ask him. He made that happen for me, and that was definitely, and based on what I knew, he wanted me to do, based on how I identified myself as a sinner in his eyes. But if you ask him, you understand, he will help you to do it, and also, and so, it's all an act of obedience. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I love that. Um, Anthony, something very distinctive kind of um, happened in Charleston following the the shooting you know leading up in the years mm-hmm. leading up to the shooting uh several other racially charged incidents had occurred across the country that led to violence destruction of property to bloodshed you, you know there was ferguson um then in baltimore the riots in baltimore uh staten island protests and riots right yet following the shooting at emmanuel ame we all witnessed something different and and, yes. and what's so Fascinating about this, um, as 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 I was reading your book and reading a lot more detail, um, obviously in the book than than what we've heard on on the news over the years. But okay. in, in his confession, the killer showed no remorse. Um, he was actually proud of killing innocent people just because they were black. He even, yeah, you know, right. intentionally chose Charleston, South Carolina, because admittedly. He wanted to start a race war, so exactly. this was this was just just over the top, incredibly blatant as as a hate crime, an attack that was focused on race. I mean, it was it was so blatant. Yet Charleston responded much differently 
than what we've seen mm-hmm. elsewhere. Um, even even how blatant this was, Charleston, something something um, incredible happened in that response. Anthony, why was the response so different there in Charleston, even though um, the racial hatred of the killer was so strong, was so blatant? Well, it all goes back to forgiveness. You know, Isaiah said in the 55th chapter, <coughs> when he speaks about Jesus died on the cross 500 years before it actually happens. He said, by his stripes, we are healed. You understand? Then you come 500 years later, he gets on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That was healing. He healed the whole world that day. He brought peace. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. He, he took away the guilt that we have for our sins. And so the same thing happened in Charleston. It wasn't like Christ on the cross, but it was being obedient to what he went to the cross for. And then here, from that, we were healed. From that, we began to heal. From that, we received the peace that we received. And so there's just the Spirit of the Lord that brought people together just from an act of forgiveness. And and, and people just, I mean, and, 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 I, and I also believe that everybody was just so in awe about our response that they couldn't help, you understand? But come out, show their love and show their kindness it changed a lot of people's hearts and it changed a lot of people's attitude that they had prior to, you know, prior to this tragedy. And it all came from an act of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And so you, so everything goes back to that. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating you know, because the, it, it started with that, as you said, that immediate, I mean, just the forgiveness yes. that was expressed by you, by others was so quick and so genuine Mm-hmm. That I mean, in a beautiful way, you you kind of see this yeah. that that peace kind of falls over the mm-hmm. city, you know, mm-hmm. much differently than what we've seen, as I mentioned, in in other incidents that were you yes. know wrapped up in in racism, right? So right. there's something, I mean, I I think there's something when so you, powerful to see yeah. um, from from this well, experience in Charleston. When you act when you act with violence, you're going to get violence. The Bible says you. You, you, you reap what you sow, mm-hmm. okay? I mean, you, you know, and, and, and that's the whole thing about forgiveness. You know, if, you, if you're going to keep this hatred tied up in, in you, if you're going to keep this anger tied up in you because of what happened to you, no matter what happened to you, how it happened or who did it, it's just going it, to make your life miserable, and then you're going to make somebody else's life miserable, and it's just a chain reaction of misery and violence. You understand? Right. Because it was sown. It was sown, you know, but when you sow, when, when you forgive, you understand, and you receive peace, then what happens? It's the same thing. It gives peace to everybody else. Mm-hmm. It gives peace to those who are involved. You see, it kind of, you know, it, where there was no reconciliation, now there's some reconciliation going on around here. You understand? Where where there was racial hatred and, and an undertone, an, under, an undertone of, of racism, you know, being that we are a hospitable city, but then that undertone of racism, now we're talking about it, mm. you see. And so that forgiveness brought forgiveness. That forgiveness brought peace. That forgiveness brought love. That, that forgiveness is bringing reconciliation, whereas the violence that happened in other cities brought violence, brought hate, and it just got, and it just multiplied and escalated. But on the reverse side, we're multiplying and escalating in a more peaceful and more loving way. Yeah, that's 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 awesome because that that shows the power power of Christ, right? It shows that 
that um, whenever our hearts and our minds can be focused, um, even in the midst of incredible pain and tragedy um, on Christ, yes. it has the power to yes. literally change change lives. And even even like you said, now dialogue is, has been happening over the last four years. Conversations are happening. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. in, in the book you shared a story about where you were invited to preach at a a primarily white church. And mm-hmm. uh, a mother came up to you with young children afterwards and, and basically confessed right. that, you know, there has been this, um, yes. you know, this racism that had been a part of her family mm-hmm. you know, growing up. And and that's just I mean, I mean, you expressed in the book like you've had, had never had someone just kind of so openly express it to you. Right. <laughs> Nowhere, particularly in Charleston, South Carolina, where, you know, I encountered a lot of that. And experience a lot of that. Never, I would. I never thought anybody in Charleston would ever say it. And she, and and she and she said the reason for her repenting of racism is because of the forgiveness that we express to this young white guy. Mm. And she said she knew then there was a God. She also knew then that what she was doing wrong all her life. Now she had to face up to it. You see, so so forgiveness. You see what I'm talking about? That forgiveness, right. how powerful it is, how right. powerful God is, and how he changes people's lives and attitudes from that very act on the cross of forgiveness. That very act, we can do it right now today by, through each other. You know, through each other. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it will bring healing, it will bring peace. Yeah. I mean, stuff, in, in, in which, in which, which, which she said, I've heard people in that same church, one by one, Male and white females got up and gave the same story about where, how they, how they, how they learned racism, how they got older and knew it was wrong. But when this happened, they knew they had to face up. Wow! Yeah, that's it's, it's a beautiful. It goes back to to what God does so well. He redeems things, right? So this tragedy, uh, God has redeemed it in such a way to bring more healing in your community. More here. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Let, let me ask you this, Anthony. As, as a pastor, and of course, you're talking to your colleagues, your brothers and sisters in ministry. As pastors, where do you see the church's role in in helping bring reconciliation in our in our communities, our cities, and our towns? Well, the pastors. Let me tell you what we're doing. The pastors need to reach over each other's denomination. Over, over, you know, and, and exchange each other's pulpit. They need to come up with with something where they can get their congregation to 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 worship with a black congregation, a Mexican congregation, a Latino congregation. But mm-hmm. they need to start reaching over these barriers. What we're doing now in Charleston, the very thing we're doing right now, you know, is um, when I preached at that first Baptist church in Charleston, which where s- slaves worship upstairs. And, and when I got through, a 99-year-old lady standing in line said to me, she said, Reverend Thompson, I learned something today. And I'm looking at her thinking, I was going to tell her that. <laughs> and and find out what her words of wisdom was. And I said, well, what did you learn? She said, I, I just realized I was a racist, 99 years old. Mm. I just realized I'm a racist. She said, now I know what to do. And I'm looking at this lady like, my God, Really? I mean, 99-year-old lady admitting that. But she did it so innocently, you know, because I, I guess I looked at her like I looked at myself. I guess she looked at herself and said, you know, 
maybe some of the things she did was racist, but at the time she didn't think so because it was a, it was, it was more of a, a learned thing. Right, right. You know, and that, yeah, but she admitted it. You wow, know, that's... and um, and so things like that happen with pastors. Pastors need to first of all get with pastors, so that they can talk about what they need to carry to their congregation. That's what we did here. Mm-hmm. You know. You know, we, we first got Presbyterian Church, St. Michael's Church, uh, St. John's Lutheran Church, First Baptist Church, all all white, okay? Right. And my church, of course, you know, mixed, but mostly predominantly black. We spoke with each other first. We talked about what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it, and we came up with a plan. So we started with a Lent, Lent season where all of us got together during Lent season, mm. And we exchanged pulpits. We had our congregations to come to each other's churches as we exchanged pulpits. We had a dinner afterwards, a lunch, a, a lunch afterwards, so that we can mingle and talk to each other and not see each other's color. But say, you know what, um, Daryl? I mean, so so. What's your name? You're Daryl. Well, I'm I'm David. You know, how many children you got? Start that conversation mm-hmm. about who we are as people, as people, and not as color. Mm. You know, and it's got it, but it has to begin in the church, because the church, Christ led, we we are His service. He was a servant. We are His servants, and we're supposed to lead. It'd be supposed to begin in the church, so that people on the outside, you understand what I'm saying, could see God's people leading in this way, and those who are hesitating for whatever reason would give them something to think about. Yeah, and it, and it probably and it probably would change their hearts and their minds, you know, much faster, you know. But that but that's what we're working on now. That's what we're doing, and we're doing a little bit more of that now. That's excellent. That's excellent. And, so you're you're looking at ways the pastors are getting together. You're talking across denominational lines, talking across ethnic lines, right. all of those things, and saying, hey, we need to be mm-hmm. unified. So that you know, right. we need to come together, be unified, so that the those who are outside the church. Um, can see that unity mm-hmm. and can, um, mm-hmm. you know, understand that the, the church is trying to lead in that trying to lead. reconciliation, right. right? Because everybody's looking at the church, mm-hmm. you see? But the church haven't been doing their duty for a while, I must admit. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> but this is one way to step up to the plate, to get the people's, to win the people back, to get their attention. As a matter of fact, our mayor, Tecklenburg, started an advisory council consisting of pastors, that's what we do. Over 500 churches, we, that's another thing we're doing. We, we have meetings and we talk about what we can do and what we're focusing on is reconciliation, mm-hmm. forgiveness, and repentance. Now, out of, and, and out of that, something very big happened. Out of that, the city mandated an apology to every black person in Charleston, South Carolina for for harboring, I mean, for, for having slavery, for making money off of slaves, and for the cruel treatment to slaves. I mean, it, it is in writing. And, wow. uh, and, and, and it's, it's, called, it's called the resolution to recognize, denounce, and apologize for the city's involvement with slavery. The resolution. And so things like that are, having, are coming out of the pastors coming together about what we should do, and and, and, and and these things occurred maybe about six months ago or more. Wow, wow, wow. That, that's awesome. That's just a beautiful picture of, of what it looks like 
when and again this all goes back to i mean this this all came out of a tragedy right we don't want to overlook the tragedy came out of a tragedy but then there was that heart of forgiveness that obedience um that opened the door to to conversation that's opened the door to reconciliate i mean it's just a beautiful story of redemption and incredible things that are happening in charleston that i would imagine you you probably wouldn't have guessed that that some of these things are happening would have ever happened Oh no! I, I I never look for it to happen. I mean, we we've been we've been knocking each other in the heads about this thing in in a in a more difficult way. Mm. You understand? And the only way we knew white and black, you know. Right, right. And and we were just just making nothing, not getting ahead, no kind of way. And then here God steps in. You understand? And yeah. then you're being obedient. And look what and look what He did. Right. Look what He's doing. Yeah, that's beautiful, brother. And so so is all God. That's so good. Anthony, our, our time's coming to a close here, but I just wanted to uh, give you the opportunity. Again, you're talking to your, your brothers and sisters, other pastors, other ministry leaders. Any words that you'd like to, to leave with them in, in, in closing? Any words of encouragement or challenge? Yes. I would like all pastors, regardless of what race or culture, to get their congregation to start in their families, wherever you live at, go knock on your neighbor's door. Introduce yourself and say, this is who I am, what's your name? Then let's get into, you know, what do you do? How many children you have? That's what I would like to leave with the pastors because we're gonna have to be the ones to step up to the plate. We are the ones to lead, you understand? Bible says, let your light so shine mm-hmm. that men may see your good works and glorify his Father in heaven. That's what it's all about. Amen. Well, brother, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast. Again, we'll have links in the show notes to uh, Reverend Thompson's book, Called to Forgive. It's powerful, powerful book um, that just walks through his experiences from June 17th, 2015, uh, a day that, that changed his life obviously, in the life of his family and in the life of, of a city and has had an impact on an entire nation now. So um, we'll have those links in the show notes, but I just want to thank you for taking the time to share with us. God bless you, brother. God bless you, my brother. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance. And if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the Faith Play app. It's available for both Apple and Android. And so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.